0: In a time when film criticism is as provocative as ever, Feelin' Film ventures to change the discussion from what we hate about a film to what we love about it. We judge more on emotional experience than technical merit, because every movie makes us feel something. Welcome, listeners, to another special minisode of the Feelin' Film Podcast. Based on a Ted Shang short story called Story of Your Life, Denny Villeneuve's Arrival tells the story of an alien race who has landed on Earth and and our attempts to understand why. This is a movie that falls into the thinking science fiction genre, my personal favorite, and we're very happy to be talking about it. There will be massive spoilers ahead, and this is a film that you need to experience without any prior knowledge, so turn us off now and come back later if you haven't seen the movie yet. I cannot say that strongly enough. Turn away now if you have not seen the movie yet. But please come back after you do.
1: <laughs> with that
0: said, Patrick <laughs> is here with me for a mini-sode, a rare occurrence. Evening. Yeah. Evening.
1: Hello, hello, P- hello.
0: Pumped, man. I, I do the, a lot of these with, uh, we use this as an opportunity to bring guest uh, hosts on the show and 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 have various podcasters that we have relationships with um, mm-hmm. on to talk about stuff, uh, in the middle of a week and we don't get to do these together very often. So I'm, I'm really excited right. that we get to do this one in particular
1: together. Yeah. I guess there was a super moon out. So I guess it was time for me to, to, to make an appearance on this minisode.
0: <laughs> if you turn into a werewolf during this show, I'm going to be very, very <laughs> frustrated. Uh, well, with that said, man, how about you start us off? Uh, let's just get right into it. Tell me what you thought about Arrival.
1: <laughs> well, this movie was definitely an experience for me. I know how much you had talked it up and seeing your reaction on social media and the very little, yeah, and I say that sarcastically, the very little that you've said to me offline about the movie. Um, I believe, listeners, he said our friendship is in the balance if I don't like it. So I had that kind of pressure going into it when I saw it.
0: Did I say that? I think I might've actually said that, didn't I? Uh,
1: No, you didn't think there was a knowing there. You (laughs) definitely said that. (laughs) (laughs) But I walked away from the movie experience, um, really wondering what I just watched. I mean, this was a movie that I can see why it has such an overtly positive and negative reaction why it can be very polarizing it was a film that literally forced you to think and for a good number of movie audiences that's not why they go to movies they go to be entertained you know tell me the story you know reveal to me use your protagonist to tell me the secrets you know I don't want to have to do that but then there's the other audience that says no I want to figure this out and so Um, you know, I looked at this film and thinking about it afterwards, it was just really hard for me to wrap my head around whether or not I liked it because there were times when I felt like I was at a party hanging out with a bunch of close friends who were telling all these inside jokes that I wasn't getting. And I was sort of doing courtesy laughs here and there. (laughs) And there were other times when I felt like I was in this small group of inner circle of people that they were they were telling me these you know that that I was part of that that group and I knew those inside jokes and and it was kind of uncomfortable because it wasn't consistent some things I picked up on others I didn't and I think as a moviegoer and as a thinking man I pride myself on being able to quote get it Mm -hmm. the first time I go see a movie especially one that requires that much thought and so, because I didn't really get get it or get some of the deep, you know, I picked up some things but didn't pick up others, it's taken, it's taken you know, reading articles and, and other reviews to kind of understand more about it. Um, but having that now, I could safely say that I really enjoyed this movie and I really want to go see it again so that I can visually pick up the stuff that I've been reading about and experience that.
0: Well, I think that that is a very smart choice to go see it again. And it's something that I'm anxious to do myself. Um, You know, you nail it when you say it's thinking man science fiction, because it it absolutely is. And it's it's a genre that not everyone is going to enjoy. I mean, we've experienced uh, just in our Facebook group, for the podcast, people who absolutely just did not enjoy the film uh, for various reasons. And and a lot of it has to do with they prefer to have their story told to them and not be expected to try and figure things out. And I've I've heard arguments uh, about the film, even that, you know, maybe the director doesn't really know what is going on, or this film doesn't know what it wants to say. It's just kind of Giving you some information and saying, hey, here you go. Go play with it. Um, But that's not really true. I think his previous films have made it very clear to me uh, that Denis Villeneuve knows what he wants. He knows what his film means. He knows where you should land. But he wants to give you enough length that you can figure that out and get there on your own in your own way. So... It's like he knows where the point B is to the point A, but he's not going to draw a straight line between them. It's okay to him if you go in a half circle or you go in a zigzag, if you go all over the place, but eventually get to B. And I really enjoyed that. Um, I, so I came out of the movie. And uh, if you remember uh, back, so you saw it after I saw it. And of course, yes. I you had to listen to me raving and going crazy about it for a few days and freaking out and saying, I don't know what's going on in my head. Um, and,
1: and you have a, like a five-day head start on being able to think about this and do this. So, so listeners, he's not smarter than me. He's not. He just had more time to, <laughs> to get his thoughts together than I did. <laughs> That's, That's going to be my excuse. That's going to be my excuse. I
0: love it. Um, but if you remember what I said to you on the day that you were going to go see the film, I texted you and I said
1: our friendship depends on it. Yeah, I okay. know we've already been over this. Yeah. <laughs>
0: in addition to that though, that was Oh uh, yeah, okay, sorry. In addition to that, I <laughs> I um I told you make sure that you clear your head before this because you know a lot of people will go into this film uh, maybe they go see it at night, late late viewing or you know a lot of us go to movies without thinking about our mindset at the time of going to the movies, right? It's just a thing we do like, Oh, it's time to empty the dishwasher. I'm just going to empty the dishwasher. It's time to go to a movie. Okay. I'm just going to go to a movie, but we don't really prepare ourselves. So I would say, <laughs> and I, I'm, this is not a sacrilegious reference. So do not stone me for this, but it's similar to uh, a person of any faith going to their place of worship. Y- you usually prepare yourself for that. You put yourself in a a mindset of moving moving your thoughts to worshipful uh, position. And that's what I feel like was important for this film. Like you had to put yourself in a position to be ready to accept what you were about to deal with emotionally and mentally. Um, And if you're not ready to deal with that, if you just walk into the theater with a big smile on your face and a bucket of popcorn and you're like, yay, sci-fi cool looking ship on the cover. woohoo, Let's go. You're going to be sorely disappointed. And so mm-hmm. that's why I recommended that to you and, uh, and I do to anyone else as well, even on a second viewing, I'm a long winded way to get around to my thoughts on it. I love the movie. Um, it is my unquestionable favorite of the year so far. Uh, I, like I said, this is my favorite type of genre. Ex Machina was my favorite film of y- last year. So I, I will fully admit that there is uh, not necessarily a level of bias here, but this is just something that. I always resonate with. Um, I thought that everything about this was beautiful. I thought the acting was fantastic. I thought the cinematography was great. I thought the sound was incredible. I thought the alien's design was brilliant. I thought the alien's language design was brilliant. Um, I love the way that the film played with my emotions and played with time. And ultimately left me in a very contemplative place half in tears and half just smiling and just wanting to rush home and and hug my kids um someone on facebook told me that specifically they said i got left the theater and i just wanted to rush home and grab my kids and hug them and that's how i felt leaving the film too mm-hmm. um so i'm i'm curious you know how a, a non parent would actually view this this might not be as impactful to someone with without kids, uh, because that's, what's used as the story goes on. Um, mm-hmm. but anyway, I, I've always thought that Denis Villeneuve is amazing. I, I think that everything he makes is, is just practically genius. And, um, it, it, I guess <laughs> we'll just get into it and go, um, w- opening scenes. So let's start there because it's hard to find a beginning and ending of where to talk about this film, much like, the film's concept itself of an endless loop of time, nonlinear time. Everything we see in the beginning is unexpected to us as viewers. I, I would say, I would say, I would say no one walked into this movie expecting what we got. Do you think that's fair?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it. uh it, it in a lot of ways it, it felt a lot like the opening to up, you know, where we, whatever our expectations were, this was not going to meet them. You know, we, this is a build as a sci-fi movie. It's not build as drama. Uh, We don't expect to see in what I would consider the most minimal ways Amy Adams character deal with loss of her daughter. Like we know that she died of cancer because of just these nonverbal cues that we get of her being in, in the doctor's office, having her, her throat kind of examined and then the next scene is her with you know no hair and Amy's just crying over her. So to me that was such a an amazing way to get us into the life of this main character in almost maybe a minimal amount of shots and a minimal amount of dialogue. There was no dialogue really Mm-mm. except for the scene with her and her daughter playing um you know playing cowboy or whatever it was, but Even, you know, as I'm thinking back on it, I was thinking, you know, here she is right after she's had her daughter and we see that little kind of focusing in on her hand and we know, okay, at some, at one point she was married (laughs) because in the subsequent scenes, we don't see her husband anywhere. Mm -hmm. And of course that gets paid off later as we find out more about her relationship with, um, with, um, what's his, what's his character name? Ian. Um, Ian. Sorry. Uh, and having that later on amplified that opening scene. I also love the fact that both the opening and closing scenes were were they began with that really great tracking shot of the ceiling as it panned out over the uh, over the lake. That's that same kind of shot was used throughout the film showing like the ceiling leading out to a bigger thing and I thought that was just fantastic. Yes,
0: it was, and that's an that's something else that I am I picked upon as well. Is it's a, there's a lot of imagery in Arrival that corresponds with the title of the film, and and this is this is one thing I love so much about the science fiction genre and this this thinking type of movie is when all these little things connect. So the film is wanting us to open our eyes. It's wanting us to see things and there's so many shots that's one of them where we see a perspective of beginning to see something else or widening our view so to speak I mean my goodness the ship looks like a contact lens dude <laughs> it re- it does like I mean look at it and you're like oh oh yeah kind of does um so I I love that as well and I, I like that the, the beginning and the end of the film bring us back to the same place, um, which is perfectly in line with the story. It, it's a gut punch. I mean, that opening sequence felt, I mean, nearly as powerful as up. I think up is probably an untouchable emotional opening <laughs> at this point. Um, but this was, this was kind of like that for the way that it, it introduces us. And it, really sets that tone of louisa's loss of hannah her daughter and kind of puts it on us going forward and so it's like hanging over us where because we think it's a flashback Mm -hmm. right we think all of this has happened in the past and so we are framing our viewing of everything that happens with that knowledge and of course as time goes on and as the movie goes on we start to learn that that's not the case we're actually flash forwarding instead of flashing back and that Mm -hmm. changes everything (laughs) about how the story is being told Um, right and i I think that it was i just think that it was done in a brilliant manner uh, artistically Mm -hmm. speaking filmmaking wise the initial alien sequences now let's talk about the aliens for a minute because it's a science fiction and there's aliens in it we've got to discuss like how do they compare to other aliens in movies, right? I mean, that's, that's got to happen. So mm-hmm. the way in which the ship is uh, revealed to us, I thought was really cool. First of all, if not my favorite scene in the whole film, it's right up there in contention, would be the helicopter flying in for the first time and that fog hanging over the landscape. And there we see the shell as they Mm -hmm. called it. Um, that was just, it was awesome. (laughs) I just, I don't even know. It was breathtaking (laughs) to really get the sense of that shell and how big it was because as you get closer and closer and you start realizing, wow, those are, what are those little ants down there at the bottom underneath it? Oh, those are Jeeps and big lights. And those (laughs) are, those are people. And those little dots, like you realize how huge this thing is. And, um, and, and, kind of along with that was the initial scenes of, of this landing where we immediately see looting and violence and even a mass suicide by a cult. And like right off the bat, we're thrown into this place of humanity's response is, is in fear of something they don't understand. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's very telling that this is how humanity handles this. The pods have done nothing wrong at this point. They've done nothing to warrant this kind of reaction. There's been no aggressiveness. They've just simply came down and hovered. And yet we are so worried about losing our place on the food chain of power that we immediately freak the heck out. Um, Mm -hmm. And of course, I believe this is exactly what would happen in real life. But I love that the way in which they showed that to us.
1: Yeah, I do too. And I think that when you, when you look at how that's all set up, first of all, I, the storytelling device that's used here, this unreliable narrator of, from the, from the, the point of view of Amy Adams character is one that it's a storytelling device that I'm a huge fan of. It's used in movies like Memento where we're following the protagonist To a place of revelation and when he or she gets that big revelation that aha moment, we get it with them and we're sort of in on that whole experience. We've been invested in them. So having the ability to experience that with her amplifies what happens at the end because we're no longer spectators with her. You know, we've become participants in what she's experienced. And so like you, one of my favorite shots was that that reveal as well. And not only seeing the big you know the big contact lens of a of a of a ship, but also seeing and I don't know if this was intentional, but seeing the clouds almost being sucked into it because later on they talk about the different kinds of the different atmosphere that exists I think within the ship mm-hmm. that by the way, if that was a second oh, if that was a if that was a second favorite scene. My favorite scene would have to be that slow burn experiencing <laughs> their adjustment to the gravity.
0: Of, oh my goodness.
1: And the, to me, that moment would probably stand out as being the place where the ideology and the philosophy of what the movie's trying to do is visualized. In other words, if the director is saying what you think is going on is not really going on, then here's how I visualize that. <laughs> I'm going to put them in a place where, gravity or the way in which things should be is completely literally sideways. (laughs) So, so so I I felt, I felt like very much awkward with those guys in that moment for a number of reasons. Like at that point I'm going, what is going on here? And I believe the guys sitting next to me who were sort of enjoying the film at this point with their popcorn, they had stopped eating their popcorn. Right. It was, (laughs) it was like dead silence. Like that's the other thing that, it's this eeriness in the theater. Like you get so much noise from movies and you get so much action and so much whatever that you don't think about the audience around you, especially in moments of like drama, because it's always filled with music and overwhelming, whatever this one, because of the lack of music or the music used at certain points, the lack of dialogue, the slow burn of the scenes at one point, I focused on the audience around me, and nobody was talking, which is good. You know, it's fine. <laughs> <But laughs> it's it was what just you want. Yeah. Weird, it's it's what you want, right? But it's but there was. It's almost like there was nothing. It's like everybody was just sort of immersed in this. It's it's like you could almost experience that full immersion of your audience around you, and that almost enhanced what I was experiencing because again, we're on this journey with with Ian and 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 with her, and we're going what's going to happen next. And it's just, it, it's creepy. It's almost creepy to an extent, but at the same time, it's wonderful.
0: Oh, it's, it's incredible. And it, it, my favorite, I think my favorite cinematic shot is the helicopter coming upon the, the shell. But my favorite scene is by far the one that you just mentioned. The, the, the first and really the whole sequence, even going beyond the gravity part, portion of that, but just that entire boarding of the ship for the first time is so amazingly done. Um, And it's there's multiple things about that that I loved. A little tidbit to start off is that was not in the short story. Uh, I've done some research, and I found out that that was actually an added thing. The ship doesn't, in the short story, there's nothing about them being able to manipulate gravity uh, and do that within the shell. And so I think this is a great example of how an adaptation can actually enhance upon material. Because when you're reading something in in book format, if, if I had read this in a story, I would not have nearly the same, it would have nearly the same effect on me as it could in a visual manner. But when we add this whole thing in about this gravity shift, visually that can draw me in. And so it's a great addition to the, the material, in my opinion. Um, but the whole, le- it. I love that it's so lengthy. Also the whole boarding of the ship, man, this is where, this is what Villeneuve does. That makes him one of my favorite directors currently working. He does not worry about it. He, he doesn't rush. He takes the time to just let you be in those moments. He's not like, okay, up the ladder, boom, boom, boom. Now we're at the aliens. Now we're moving on. Now we're going to the next thing. No, he really shows us that initial sense of curiosity and fear. And you would have to have those. You're confronting an alien species. You don't know what you're going to see. You don't know what's going to happen. Uh, but it's also, it's like wondrous and terrifying. It's it's all of these emotions that they're experiencing. And I think he gives us them in such a great way um, in their characters. And I will also say they are able to convey these emotions wearing gigantic whatever the heck hazmat suits they're wearing. <laughs> like, how? I mean, yeah. seriously, how brilliant are these actors to be able to accurately give us that performance yeah. when we can yeah. hardly even see them? This scene also gets my uh, stamp of approval, I guess, uh, because it, one of the, my <laughs> fun little games get movie in watching movies is when you go to see a PG-13 movie because of the way that the movie's rating system works you only get one use of the f-word like that is the <laughs> most you can have i mean and so i always am watching to see when the f-word is going to come cloverfield lane <laughs> is another example of this expertly places their one f-word <laughs> at the end of 10 cloverfield lane it is it is just right where you need that to be right that exclamation this one does it too, and I think it's great because uh, Jeremy Renner's character Ian gets the nod here, and it happens when he discovers that gravity change on the pod and looks down for the first time. And so I, I give it the big right. A-plus for using <laughs> it correctly at the right time because that's probably what I would have said it to.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I I would say in agreement with you that this slow burn letting us linger on moments really emphasizes what I think one of the articles that I read afterwards points out, and that this movie is really about the journey as much as it is the destination, not only for the characters, but also for us as an audience. And I think the director wants us to be able to have the freedom to experience this and get our own interpretation of what he's saying. I mean, I think his main themes came across fairly clear. But as you mentioned, I may have gotten to it from a zigzaggy point of view, whereas you may have gotten to it from a circular point of view. And that plays into what the movie really plays with, and that's the power of time. The ability that Amy Adams' character has at the end to be able to kind of be almost omnipresent, to be both in the future and in the past and the present and to be able to handle that, the question, how she handles that, um, and leaving that question wide open. And so for us as an audience, we're, we're given the opportunity at the end of the movie or throughout the movie to say, do you understand what's going on? And if you do, can you, can you deal with what's being told to you? Do you believe it? and, how is it making you feel right now? It's almost like we're getting a, a psychological profile as we go through this because we're saying we're almost, at least for me, I was being asked, asking myself, is this really what I'm being asked as an audience and as a, as a participant in this film from a participant as opposed to a spectator? And I, I think that he wants us to be able to experience the journey because he values it just as much as the destination. And so often we we have the uh, movies that have a beginning, middle and end. We talk about what happens in the, you know, third act and how the pacing is. And so we talk about a movie as a story, you know, as a story, and stories have elements and and that's those are very valid ways of discussing a movie. But I think what he does is he wants this movie to articulate that You know, there really is no end when it comes to the credits rolling. In fact, I love the fact that I don't think we even got an opening set of credits. I think we just jumped right into the movie. And then the end credits were simply just beginning with this great little, you know, Helvetica new font that said Arrival and then directed by and then just everything just real subtle. And so I think that from beginning to end and everything in between He really wanted us to emphasize the fact that every moment leading up to, from from the moment we stepped into her world to the very end, we are meant to continue that journey on our own and to say, well, how does this, how do we take responsibility for what's being asked and what is here? I mean, obviously we don't have the ability to see the past, the present, and the future, but we're still asking that same question that she is. If we knew what was coming, would we change our lives? and I know that we will never know that, but it's definitely something that asks us to think. It asks us to to really say, would our lives be different if we knew what the future was going to hold? Would we make different choices and i and i've I've asked that question since I've seen the movie, like <laughs> if I knew what was coming would would I be afraid? Would I walk in fear, or would I walk in confidence saying? I'm okay with accepting what's going to come and not just accepting, but living in the power of that. So it's just just big ideas that I'm still trying to get my head around.
0: Yeah, it, they really are. Um, you mentioned subtlety and I, I love that word. Cause this is another thing that, that Denis does in his films. And the screenwriter here um, is Eric Heisserer. Uh, he's most, mostly a horror screenwriter actually, but this script is so well done to me. I've heard it. Most, most people are praising this film, but I have heard, like you said, the negative reactions and some of them are just like blah when it comes to the script. But I I think it's wonderful because they don't waste any time on exposition and they really focus in on showing us a story versus trying to telling, telling, tell us the story. Um, Even the language sequences, I think do a great job of this that was a very difficult task to explain the way in which that language particularly was created and how it was learned and, it, and it, and how it worked. And I thought that they did a, a really good job of doing that. Uh, so subtlety is a huge piece of just the overall picture of this film. Right. But as you get into the, the really big ideas or the biggest, I guess, idea of this uh, is that, you know, time the language that aliens give us in this is nonlinear. And because of that, uh, once we understand this new language of nonlinear communication, we now perceive time differently. And what, one interesting thing here is that we're never shown or told in any way that Louise can see her entire future. She can Mm -hmm. see snippets of it. She can see glimpses of it, but we don't see that Louise just knows the incredibly long timeline of everything that's going to happen in her life. It's not portrayed that way. And it's also not portrayed in a way that tells us that she even has the choice to change that. And so part of this conversation gets into if, if is your fate, so to speak, is your future predestined if you can't change it, (laughs) Um, or, or vice versa can, you know, is it predestined or can you actually affect the change? Uh, because the aliens know because of their nonlinear ability to perceive time, they knew that they were going to be facing a threat. So therefore they knew that they needed to come to earth to set in line this, this event that would eventually create humanity's ability to help them 3000 years down the road. Um, Because they could perceive this loop of time and how it was going to work out. So with regards to Louise, the, the biggest question does become or our takeaway on a human level, I think becomes, what do we do if that's my kid (laughs) can, if my kid's going to die of cancer at age eight or whatever it is, do, is it worth it to even have that child? And, you know, this is, I don't want to get into this too deeply, but this is at the heart of a lot of the abortion debate is if that child is not going to have the life that I perceive to be a worthy life for that child, should that child even have to go through those tough circumstances? Right. I mean, I've heard that, that argument made. Um, and that's kind of the question that's asked here. And, um, it, you know, Luis ultimately makes the choice saying that she can't give up the moments of love that come from Hannah and her relationship and hurt with her daughter despite the cancer. And I think where it, where it all boils down to is that in a sense, Hannah's arrival is more important than her departure. And in, you know, if you just really boil it down to, where Luis stands on this, mm-hmm. I, I want to also mention that a couple little things here. One argument I've heard is around Ian's character and that he's ultimately portrayed as this very, very good person. Uh, and in fact, I, I, he's a great stand up guy in the movie. There's nothing really negative about him. We know that he eventually marries Luis and is Hannah's dad. But yet he leaves. And the argument that I had around this was that, you know, it it almost ruins his character because they've given us no reason to think that he would make such a horrible choice to just leave his wife and daughter because she has cancer. But I think that it goes a little deeper than that. And I think we have to remember that Ian knows that Luis is perceiving time in a nonlinear fashion. So by the time that he does find this thing out, he knows that she could have told him. So I don't think that he's leaving his daughter because she has cancer. I think he's leaving his wife because he feels that she has basically kept this secret from him for his entire life. And that is hard for him to deal with. And he can't process that. So I think that we need to have a little bit of grace for Ian's character. Uh, You know, these are, this is all stuff that is, we're just talking about completely outside of what is actually occurring in the film, which is amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Like we're speculating, but you know, I think that we would all be hard pressed to face a spouse that had known from the moment our daughter was born, she was going to die of cancer eight years later and never revealed that to us. I think that uh, that might be challenging or you know, up until the point where we found out. So we don't know the particulars around that case, but I just think that Ian deserves a little bit of grace there. And it it is an interesting thought too, that I had about, you know, what if it's their fault? (laughs) What if in particular Louise's exposure to the aliens world, completely unprotected is ultimately what causes the cancer that her daughter gets. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, That's another heavy thought to ponder, but yeah, it's, I I love movies that can make us think about this and that can make us walk out and connect it to our everyday life and our own decision-making process Mm -hmm. and evaluate that. Um, Yeah, go
1: ahead. I was just going to say that I think another thing that I enjoyed the most about this, because this could be all that the film was. And for the most part, that's one of the dominant themes, but something that really surprised me was this power, or this exploration of the power of language? And uh, one scene I was really, really impressed with was as she, and, and really, you know, funny to me. I think humor in this movie was used very well. It was sparingly used, but the moments that it was helped lighten the lighten the mood just a little bit. Um, in particular, with her and I guess the general, played by um, what's his name? I can't remember now. (laughs) Forrest Whitaker? Forrest Whitaker, yes. Who I think if I had one beef with this movie, it's Forrest Whitaker's character's dialect. I don't know what kind of accent that was. It It was was kind of just Forrest Whitaker. Was that is that his accent? (laughs) Yeah, that's
0: that's how he talks.
1: Weird because I at least that's how he talked in
0: multiple films that I've seen him in.
1: Okay. Well then I don't know what accent that is, but it was it threw me off because the movies that I've seen him in, he doesn't have that. He gets rid of it. But anyway it wasn't a deal breaker by any means his relationship with her in particular talking about how she's going about uh communicating with these aliens was great but there's one particular scene where he she goes okay here's the question you want to ask and she writes down the the thing on the dry erase board, which Ian goes, no, 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 don't erase the stuff on the top, you know? And she says, uh, you know, what is your purpose? And so then she starts breaking it down. Well, in order to understand the word purpose, they have to understand what that word means. And, and I began to, to start thinking about a, a book that, uh, it's one of my favorites it's called The Book Thief. And it was a movie adaptation that I have yet to see, but I remember actually reading it twice. And the second time really focusing in on, that theme of the power of words and the power of language and how language can be misinterpreted. How in this film, if you, if all the aliens knew was the word hammer that everything else would be a nail to them. I think Forrest Whitaker's character said that he said, Oh, he kind of got, got that. And it's interesting because you're creating a sense of language that needs to be universal Because by the end of the film, we needed all 12 points of contact that eventually went offline um, to come back online and to share the ways in which they were communicating with the aliens. And I just, uh, it it made me look at the fact that how we say things to people, the words we use, the way in which we use uh, our own personal language like, for instance, in my own life, how I talk to my son versus how I talk to my dog, <laughs> you know just as a as a as a silly example, it has to differ. I can't talk to my you know my puppy the same way I talk to my almost four year old and the way I talk to my four year old cannot be how I talk to my wife in psychology it's called it's a it's a form of um language shifting called code switching. In other words, depending on who you are around, the, the way in which you speak to people changes. Like the way in which I speak to my parents is different than the way in which I speak to you. It's not like you and I use a hidden code or anything like that. But it's just that we have a, a rhythm in, in the way in which we talk. And my parents and I have a rhythm in the way in which we talk. And I think that when you, mis- when you, when you misplace those, when you don't know how to talk to your spouse or how to talk to your child... You tend to risk, you know, becoming either misinterpreted or misunderstood, and that can have devastating consequences. and I, And I think this film explores that: that when we don't have a common language, when we don't have a common way to speak to one another, to speak to other people around the world. In the case of this film, we lose more than we win. We and and, and there's a great there's a great theme of 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 unity, <laughs> and unity. With language um, I love the fact that uh, the moment when she starts I love the revelation that moment when she goes I can read it <laughs> when she can actually like understand the language she doesn't have to use her her computer her thing really anymore. really
0: cool software that, that tells you what a, the words mean
1: yeah yeah I was like I want some of that <laughs> I want that software but I just think it's very cool that language is a universal thing, even though there is not necessarily one, at least verbal universal language that's used. I mean, you could argue that math is or science, but I love that. Um, the, I love that language becomes a central theme of this movie and how it needs to be used in order to better help us understand these aliens and help us understand ourselves and help us understand the people around us. And, uh, it was very cool. Very cool.
0: Yeah. That's, that's obviously the other biggest theme of this film that is presented is the language and the communication aspect. There's the, the nonlinear year time aspect that we talked about with Louise and her decision-making process. And, you know, ultimately that Louise is a character who to me shows us that she exhibits the hope and the bravery of human life, um, that it's worth living and, mm-hmm. and it's worth it no matter what the end result is. Like you said, early in the podcast, the journey, it's about the journey. It's not about the destination. It's about the arrival, not the departure. But when you talk about language, you brought up that awesome scene. Another trivia note, uh, the, the screenwriter dropped on a, an interview that I was listening to is that scene came to be not from the short story, but that same, that same, that scene existed because in an executive meeting they were trying to explain how this whole language aspect of the film worked and how the aliens would try to explain how the humans would try to learn the aliens language and how confusing it would be. And he started to use that example and the execs were like, Oh yeah, we get that. And they were like, that's the scene. Put that in them. That's what we want. And then boom, (laughs) it got in the movie as the way that they explained it. Isn't that cool? I just love, I love hearing stuff like that, you know, about how they get to this process, you know, cause you've, you've directed, you know, short film. So, you know, some of this, how you know, you're filming things out of order. You're putting this story together in pieces that are not linear in fashion. Um, and it's just got to all work in the end for us as a viewer. And I just, I don't know. I just, I really thought that was awesome. One of my favorite little things I'd heard. So yeah, you know, the language is not just Understanding how to say something and how to hear something and ascribe meaning to it. Um, One of the things I read uh, recently, and I don't know where to credit this to, so I'm just going to say this is not my own paragraph (laughs) because I don't want to (laughs) lie as much as I want to take credit for this right now. Um, But I read I read this blurb and it said language has consequences embedded in words and grammar is action. Mm hmm. Um, because the metaphors that we use as we try to make sense of the world, tell us what to do next. They act like little roadmaps and that speaks to everything you were just saying. It's so much more, those nonverbal cues there's, you know, how we talk to each other versus how we talk to a different person of a different relational person. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's fascinating. And, The way that the film portrays, um, our current world is also kind of scary and and true. You know, we, we react violently and aggressively and controlling in a controlling manner. No one wants to share their information. No one wants to be the first one to say, you know what, I'm going to put it out there. I'm going to let everybody have what I have. And so that's the awesome part of how, you know, we ultimately end with, that's what general, um, Chang, or I don't know what his name is. General- I call him
1: Domino. I think is his nickname, right? Domino. domino.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll call him Domino. So uh, I love that. That you know, that's what he does at the end. Is that you know, he makes the first move by putting out that olive branch and saying, "Here's my findings. Here's everything that, that we know." And then, like a domino, again, everybody follows suit. The Russians do the same, and then we all start sharing our information. And then, boom, we get to actually find our way to a common ground. Um, but it takes everybody being willing to do that and not withholding that for themselves. Yeah. So it's a great message, man. And it's one of the, the reasons why I just, I haven't been able to stop thinking about it. I could go Mm -hmm. on and on and on and on forever, honestly, trying to, to figure it out. And I would, I would figure it out at once and then I'd loop around and, and it out (laughs) and confuse myself.
1: but you and, I mean, you and, and, and I and probably other people are actually exhibiting what I think, you know, these individual groups are eventually coming to, to terms with, is that we need other people to help us understand this movie. You know, we're we're seeking out articles from people, from critics, to try to understand what it means, what this film's all about, and what a magical thing to be able to almost reflect what these guys, these characters in the movie are are trying to do by needing each other to help understand this alien race. I mean, that's what we're doing when we go out and we Google arrival ending meaning, you know, (laughs) or watch the YouTube videos or those things. And, and for me, I don't feel as stupid for not knowing everything. I actually feel grateful knowing that there are other people that are out there that have a better understanding than I do. I mean, it's, Part of the reason why I love doing the podcast with you because you see things that I don't when it comes to certain films. And I would hope vice versa that I do that for you. And that when we get into our Facebook group, other people bring out different elements of films that we didn't catch. You know, I think that's where it becomes important. We all have this common language of wanting to understand film beyond just the entertainment factor. But I think it takes all of us to get that deeper understanding and and deeper appreciation for film. And it's, it's really cool to be able to see that kind of personified in this film.
0: You know, that is a perfect place to end this conversation for now because
1: Mike drop. Yeah.
0: I mean, I'm dead serious. (laughs) I'm, I'm, you guys should see me over here. I'm, I'm doing the mind blown symbol right now because of what Patrick just, just dropped on us. But but that, that is an amazing observation. Um, And that is, so completely true that the group think aspect of trying to break out break down this story and figure things out and discuss how it what it meant to me how how it made me feel and how it made you feel and what it made me think and what it made you think and work our way toward a common understanding is exactly what this movie is about so um it's brilliant um You know, you just made me look like a a, not as smart as man as you are. So,
1: (laughs) (laughs) no, seriously, thank you. I feel good. (laughs) No, thank you. That was awesome.
0: Um, Last piece of trivia before we wrap. The only thing unknown about this movie, Denis Villeneuve specifically went to the screenwriter, Eric uh, Heisserer, and said, "There, there has to be something that we don't know. And the thing that is the one unknown about this movie is why the pods landed where they landed. And he said, they, that's even why they put the joke in there during the TV uh, footage where it's going over this and it's saying, you know, maybe it's because they all had a hit Sheena Easton song like that, that joke is intentionally in there because that is the one piece of the story that Denis and Eric intentionally left there and decided not to figure out a reason for. And I thought That's that was hilarious. awesome. I just thought that was, that was great. Awesome, yeah. You know, um, that they would even give that much detail to it, that every other mm-hmm. detail is known. Even, even what gen- the general says to Louise is known by them. Right. Um, not necessarily that we hear it, but pretty interesting, unless you speak Mandarin, but, um, yeah, pretty, pretty interesting <laughs> stuff. <laughs> well, Patrick, I have really enjoyed this conversation and I know we could go on and on and on, but we, Did call this a mini-sode, so we probably need to be uh, understanding of that and and wrap this one up. If you want to keep going with this conversation and talk to us, we've mentioned a couple times we have a Facebook group. Just search for Feelin' Film on Facebook and look for the group. Come join. It's open for everybody. Love to keep talking about this movie. I I could go on and on and on. I will be seeing it again in theaters. Um, I know many of you have seen it and probably will be doing the same, so... Let's continue that. Uh, you can find me on social media, anywhere and everywhere, at Aaron L White, A A R O N E L W H I T E. You can follow the show at Feelin Film on Twitter, Facebook, the Graham, as Patrick likes to call it,
1: Instagram. <laughs> note a note that I have not said that <laughs> in like weeks, so. <laughs> Aaron's bringing it back. (laughs) I am. I have to.
0: You called me out earlier. It's my turn. Uh, (laughs) uh, Feelinfilm.com as well if you want to check out our website. Uh, Lots and lots of ways to get a hold of us. Patrick, what about you?
1: Yeah, you can find me uh, at Twitter, at Shoeless Patch, S-H-O-E-L-E-S-S-P-A-T-C-H, and also at Facebook.com with that same handle. And I'm also on the gram at that same (laughs) address, so you can find me there. Uh, Next up, we are... In a few days, going to be uh, doing a review on the upcoming Fantastic Beasts and where to find them. I know we're both pretty excited about delving into the um, the world of Harry Potter, and uh, I may or may not bring out my British accent because I know Aaron just loves my impressions. So, if uh, if you love listeners love that, you'll uh, you might be looking forward to that or whatever. But in any case, we're going to have a lot of fun talking about it. I know we're both excited and uh so check us out in the coming days are uh, for fantastic beasts
0: yeah buddy can't wait it's gonna be a fun one
1: until next time as always
0: stay positive
1: and keep feeling film.